Good morning. Good morning. So I want you to take me back uh, to the very beginning. As I said, drug court has been effective in our community for about five years now. When and where was it identified as a, a need for Marinette County that something had to change? Let me start with that if I can. Um, about seven years ago, John Nigren came to me when I was a rather new judge on the bench and said, we've got a big problem with, with uh, drug addiction. Can we do a drug court in Marinette County? And my response to him was, we'll do the drug court if he'll get us the money and the support. And from that point forward, he was an unwavering support for us and for everybody across the, across the entire state. We started planning the drug court about seven years ago. It took us about a year to build up the, the support and to put together the team and to get, get ready to go. And then after we actually had the team in place, it took about six months to work out the nuts and bolts and have our first participant who came five years ago in September. So that's how it started and that's how it has continued since then. How does the drug court work? What makes it different from the typical uh, criminal justice process? I would say that what makes it differ different from the typical um, criminal justice process is it's a strictly supervised program um, and it's working with not just the criminal part of it but as well as the treatment. Every single participant is involved in treatment services and then is strictly supervised as well um, through the criminal justice system probation as well as myself as the coordinator. They're tested randomly on a regular basis. Um, you know, we're pretty much, we're on top of them. And I, I'm sure that for many of these participants, it is not their first time going through some sort of a treatment process, likely not their first time facing charges for these types of things. But what is it that sets the drug court treatment process apart from other treatments they might have gone through in the past to, to truly help them break this addiction cycle? I would say that what's different about it is they're held accountable to it. Many people that are just on straight supervision, um, they can be told to go and court ordered to go, but that doesn't mean they go. Our people, they have to sign our verification slips for every appointment that they're at, and we're following up and tracking that. And so the thing is, is that they're there. They're there and they're getting the treatment. Um, and I think that that makes a huge difference. Another thing that's critically important is all the criminal justice system has been organized for a thousand years towards punishing the offender and protecting us. The, the treatment courts take a totally different approach and their approach is we are best protected if we can get these people rehabilitation. So our focus is we're still at court, we still hold people accountable as Sarah says, it's very strict in that respect, but the whole goal of this is to allow these people to become productive so that they don't continue to offend. What was the process like to get this started in the community? Bashay, you were involved from the beginning. I think um, what makes the drug court also special is that we are involved involving all areas of the criminal justice system. It's not just um, the prosecution, it's not just probation and parole. We have the public defenders, we have treatment providers, uh, not only AODA but also mental health treatment providers. We have an outside um, evaluator as well that kind of keeps us on task, um, also um, keeps statistics, things of that nature. So 
all of the different disciplines that are involved in the criminal justice system, as well as law enforcement, got together uh, to plan out the phases. That means what people would have to do at certain points in the drug court, what our expectations were, uh, where we expected them to be at the end of each phase, and what we would require for successful graduation. Uh, and I would be remiss in saying that we've had wonderful support from our law enforcement partners. We actually have um, a law enforcement representative on our team. Each week, um, all of the different partners meet together and staff the different participants. And law enforcement has made referrals uh, to my office and, and suggested certain ones. And they've been uh, very supportive and encouraging to people who have done well. So really what I think um, it came down to was all of us getting together and planning this out and it did take time I think the planning process was at least a year we went to different trainings things of that nature um, but that has continued on in a cooperative um, relationship with all the partners did you have any sort of a model to to base this program off of a, was it kind of an organic idea so there are thousands of drug courts in the U.S., um, so we can rely upon those models. And I think really what led to a lot of it is um, all of us that are involved um, on the team kept seeing people who would go to prison. They would get out and they would have the best intentions to rehabilitate and move forward and not use again. And then um, especially Deshae and I and the judge would see these same people um, reoffending and despite their best intentions, they were relapsing and um, committing uh, new crimes um, that were drug-related. And um, the system wasn't working um, as we had hoped it would. And we'd been doing the same thing for so many years, and the problem wasn't getting any better, as it is really across the state and across the country. So um, we got together and decided that we needed to make a change. And as Deshae said, we had a lot of meetings um, for over a year um, just on what we can do to make a change and what we can do to do it better. And I think um, people really respond well to the team approach. Um, we have, um, normally I, I would say it's, we all have really good communication with one another. Um, we work together every day, um, but um, this is a different approach. Um, it's um, more collaborative um, in us um, not trying to hold things back from one another like we might in our respective roles, but to actually sit on as a team and address people's concerns and use our collective experience and wisdom to uh, make sure that people are held accountable. Uh, lots of people, I think, initially might be interested in the program just because um, um, they think it might be a way to keep them out of prison. Um, and we expect that that is what people are gonna wanna do. Um, but on the other hand, um, we hope um, as we go through the program that they buy into um, recovery in itself. And that's what we've seen after um, they get into it, that they, make a change for themselves to want to recover and want to be better. I think it's really important, too, to point out that we follow what's known as evidence-based practices. Uh, as Brad said, we all have experiences, but we, we drew upon the experience of hundreds of other drug courts. They, they sent in professional trainers who did this and spent a week with us. We studied what works and what doesn't, and we keep trying to do those things that evidence tells us will work. That's not the way that Deshay or Brad or I might normally think about this. We, don't, we can't do what our gut tells us. We've got to do what experience tells us is actually going to work. And that's what's 
that's what's different and that's what's great about the drug court. Everybody calls each other on that. Is this effective? Is what you're doing effective, Judge? DA, are you sure you don't want to make this referral? Same kind of discussions with Brad holds our feet to the fire on this a lot. Does, does the evidence tell us this will work? It's not what we hope would work, but what does work. Deshay, what are some of the criteria for someone to be referred to drug court? Well, we are um, a felony drug court, and, it's, and we take high-risk, high-need offenders. So it is a little counterintuitive to some people. Um, so this is, this is designed for the hardest of the hard. And so, again, a felony charge, and so you have to have a certain amount of exposure so that you can actually be on supervision at least for three, at least for three years. Um, and then that high risk, high need, what that means is you have to be diagnosed with, an, with a substance abuse disorder. And we have someone that will go and make that determination. And then there's, and so that's the high need part of it. The high risk is that you're deemed to be a high risk to reoffend if you don't get treatment. So um, the other part of it is you have to be a resident of Marinette County. And there's some disqualifying features as well. It can't be a violent uh, type of offense that you have uh, currently been charged with, um, etc. But those are, are really the, the criteria. And this is, again, geared for Marinette County residents. Um, and we've certainly found that there, there is a significant need here. We, we don't have a shortage. Brad, you had said um, that you tend to see a lot of the same people coming through your office despite their best intentions to get clean. And I, I noticed um, I was able to attend the fifth anniversary of the drug court. And I noticed one of the things that stuck out to me was you you do in this program almost take a personal approach. I mean, Judge, you were having conversations with some of these people about their family members, about their jobs and things going on in their life. And that is that is so much more personal than just placing one of these people in prison. Is that part of, of the process? I think so. And I mean, I, I think what would happen uh, for most people is you get put on probation. Um, there's a lot of people that are on probation and um, they're trying to do the best they can to hold people accountable, but it's more reactive. And what we're trying to do is be more proactive in this approach. And um, maybe through all the people that are involved with them, I and mean, they have a heightened level of uh, probation supervision. And Sarah has, um, I think, almost daily contact with most of the people in our drug court um, through either phone or text or in-person visits and meetings. And um, it's just a higher level of scrutiny. Um, and instead of waiting and figuring out, you know, a whole month has gone by, maybe when you're on supervision where they figure out there might be a problem, we're figuring out problems like usually right away. Um, and through the cooperative approach with other members on the team, um, um, you know, if someone's not doing well, another person on the court might step up and say like, hey, you know, I don't know if you know about this, but something's going on with this participant. Um, you know, they seem to be going through a tough time and we can actually address that much quicker uh, with them. How has the program changed over the last five years? What sort of developments um, and, and evolution have you had to go through to continue to make this a success? You want me to answer that, sir? We started out taking fairly low risk, low need people. We learned that that was a mistake. We learned that we thought that that would be good, that we'd get some success. No, as, as Deshaies said, counterintuitively, you've got to take the most difficult people. 
we have constantly adjusted our phase structure. We've adjusted the things that work. We've looked at what works for what works for us, and what doesn't. And also, we've had 25 graduates now to come and tell us what works and what doesn't. And we've had the ones that we've failed with. And I sh <coughs> failure isn't necessarily the word because we've had a number of people who've not made it through drug court, but who've come back and been sober later as well, including the first couple people who went to prison and came out. So we're constantly trying to learn, and we've, we've modified all the time the approaches we've taken. Fair statement, Sarah? Absolutely. We've also had um, several outside studies done on us, and we've you know studied what they've reported back and made changes. So we're constantly looking at ourselves and making changes to help work our help our program work better. And of course, the people that you have running this program, like the four of you and, and others on the drug court team, are as critical to the success of the program as the program and the participants' dedication itself is. Absolutely. And um, we are very blessed. I mean, Sarah's very modest, but I've not met someone as dedicated as Sarah, and she she takes her job very seriously. And you have to have that for uh, the type of people that we're dealing with, the high-risk, high-need um, population. Accountability is critical, and, and dealing with things right away is critical. And so we're blessed to have that, and we're blessed to have a team that um, gets together and, and if we need to meet uh, more often or if she needs to contact other members of the team um, on a time that's not regularly scheduled, that can be done, problems can be addressed, and we're, we're just very, very uh, fortunate to have the people that are as committed to it um, as we do. I keep hearing all four of you talk about the the accountability, and that is something else that I noticed at this drug court, um, at the the treatment court hearing that I was able to sit in on. Uh, the rules and compliance with those rules are strictly enforced. I think there was one participant who missed one of their phone calls by a minute or two, one minute, and and there were consequences to that. Well, we we recognize that the people that come into the drug court have problems they can't control. That's the addiction, but there are things they can control doing things on time. So, and calling the, the drug line late is a serious offense because as we tell them, you, you've, gotta be, you've gotta be compliant with testing. So if we can catch the little stuff and we can discipline those things, we do. But when you've been to the hearings, you've also heard us find three or four or five positive things to say to everybody, even those who are having the most trouble. Because evidence tells us people respond better to a pat on the back than a kick in the backside. So we try to do both, but we have to be we have to be strict about our enforcement on things that they can control. When you first uh, proposed this program, did you meet any sort of pushback from the community, and how has that reception changed at this point? Yeah, we met a lot of resistance from the community. It was a, people said, if I wanted to be a social worker, I'd be a social worker. Um, the lawyers said, what do you mean? We're this is an adversary system. We all said that. Um, but everybody was willing to keep an open mind. We did our training at the sheriff's department, and the sheriff laid it all on the line. Deshay was there. Allen was there. Kent from his office was there. Brad has been involved from day one. Um, and the, the, the treatment community said there's no treatment. We spent an entire afternoon putting on the wall all the treatment resources that actually did exist in the community. So there was pushback, but it was basically based upon ignorance that, was, that people were willing to have corrected, and they did. 
and there was a lot of community support that needed to be garnered um, and, and industry support because all of the individuals that are in drug court are employed or performing some some type of community service. So that was a lot of folks that you needed to get on board with this plan uh, beyond obviously just the, the team view that, that make the program go. I think there was more support than we realized, to be honest. I think, um, you know, we learned a lot during um, that federal training that we had um, at the Sheriff's Department for a week. But to be honest, I don't know that any of us had a preconceived notion about what to expect. I mean, um, sometimes it seems easier when it's all put together, but we spent so much time uh, talking about policies and uh, being trained on them and learning what the best practices were. Um, and I think there were multiple times during that week that we were all just kind of shocked with how we would have to do things to be a drug court. And, you know, a lot of times at trains, they say, you know, if you're not going to follow best practices, then don't call yourself a drug court. And we constantly try to remind ourselves of that, that, um, you know, we all have our different opinions. Um, but at the end of the day, sometimes even what you see in court might be, you know, an end result. But we may have talked about that one thing that one rule violation and what the line is for 15 minutes at our session. Um, we have to, some days we just have to time it out and literally just say like, we only have so much time per participant and uh, we have to rein ourselves in or we could honestly be there some days for three hours, I'm sure. How many people have participated in the program up to this point and, and how are you seeing those numbers trending? Are you seeing you know people on waiting lists or anything like that? Um, right now we do not have a waiting list. We've had, as of today, signing someone up, we have 70 participants who have went through this program. We've had 25 graduations and 28 terminations, and we currently have 17 people in the drug court. Um, we do have a couple in the wings. Another person will be signed up yet this week. And um, it ebbs and flows. Um, I just wanted to back up, too, to the community support. We have gotten a lot of community support. The um, Salvation Army, St. Vincent de Paul, the Habitat for Humanity, all these places have had an open door from the beginning, um, allowing our people to come in and do community service there and have become huge cheerleaders for us, as well as the Anthony House, the Jail Outreach. Um, I will say as far as the employers, I believe that our participants have sold the program for us. Five years ago, it was somewhat difficult to get some of the things. The same with landlords. Today, we have people reaching out to us, different employers coming to drug court and basically recruiting our people because they know that they're going to be held accountable and they know that they're going to be dedicated to their jobs and they can watch them each week and how these people are just blossoming into you know productive citizens in this community. So I just wanted to add that we've had a lot of community support and we're forever grateful for that. You have had the 25 graduations, but as I understand, that's not necessarily the end of the road for those people. A lot of them do come back and serve as mentors for others who are, are participating in drug court. Yes, that is absolutely true. Um, there's rarely a week that goes by that we don't have people um, in the back of the courtroom who have graduated from our program. And as Judge said earlier, even people that have been terminated and went to prison, they come back and they pick up the tools that we were trying to give them at the time and they're successful today and they still support our program. Um, there's also a alumni program that we have our participants once they've graduated um, where they're giving back to the community and we ask them to mentor. So if someone's struggling in drug court, we may, you know, have what we call a treatment response where, hey, you know, meet with so-and-so, an alumni, meet with them for one hour and find out how they were successful. 
Um, and our graduates are more than willing to do things like that. So they still stay connected. I mean, there's not a week that goes by that I'm not talking to several graduates. They still keep real connected with us. We've got just a couple of minutes left, but I really want to touch on the fact that this treatment drug court has played a huge part in transforming Marinette County from a community with a pretty serious drug problem. And there are still certainly issues um, that we are dealing with with that here, but it has taken it from a, a, a user community to truly a, a recovery community, I feel. We hope so. <laughs> yes, and that and that's certainly um, our goal is to lay the groundwork for a continuing recovery community. And I think, um, I think we're starting to see the fruits of that with our alumni uh, reaching out and then developing um, just support groups and support networks uh, for people here in the community. And I know um, Brad probably can, can speak to that even more with, because he has more interactions just based on his job um, with folks. And I think he can speak more to that too. Yeah, I feel like um, in the beginning, we heard a lot of our participants say that you know, they didn't um, necessarily feel there was a recovery community for them. Uh, most of the people in drug court, although not all, um, are fairly young offenders, and they felt there wasn't a young recovery community. And um, and what we've seen is um, as we progress through and push them to continue going to like AA and NA, for example, um, uh, some of them are leading their own meetings now and creating meetings in locations where there weren't meetings before. Um, you know, we have people who um, are dragging their significant other um, who isn't through criminal justice, um, but dragging their significant other or their parents um, into recovery, um, being through the program by just saying like, you know, I can't be part of your life if you're not going to be clean and sober as well, because that's what's expected to me is to be hanging out with people who are clean and sober. And it's a struggle. Um, we've had a lot of success with that. Um, a lot of people who have... Um, not been successful in the immediate term uh, with drug court, have come back out and reconnected with these same people. Um, and, you know, they all stay in touch. Even if you go to prison and come out and you weren't successful the first time, they're reconnecting with these people and using their tools and getting back into meetings. Um, and it's a great thing to see, um, a great thing to see that this um, community now has a really good young recovery community of people that are out there to support one another, mentor one another, and be sponsors for one another. I would just like to add one thing. I believe that at the five-year anniversary when one of our alumni looked at Judge Morrison and said, you'll never know how many people that you've touched with this and how the recovery community up here has mushroomed. I just believe that that's the key right there, that it's not 25 graduates. They're not 70 people. I mean, this has touched hundreds and hundreds of people and is just going to continue. All right. Well, today we've been talking with Marinette County Judge Jim Morrison, District Attorney DeShay Murrow, Brad Shraven, the Public Defender, and Sarah Plansky, P-Court Drug Court Coordinator, all about Marinette County's treatment drug court now in its fifth year here. Today's show brought to you by First National Trust and Wealth Management in Menominee. I'm Amber Mishka. Thank you for tuning in to Our Town.